The Lord is crowned in 2017 with goodness and his past drip with abundance. Everybody say, that's me. For about several weeks now, we've been talking about taking the limits off of God. Taking the limits off God. Man limits God. We limit him. And so, we are learning to take those limits off. Because basically, the, the gospel is what God, he acted he did the work, and we are supposed to respond. That's the gospel. It's not that man is supposed to do as much work as he can, and God responds. No, that's called religion. It's man's way to try to get to God. But God, he did, actually he did it before the foundation of the earth, the Bible says. He took care of it. But on Calvary, he took care of the work, and our job is to respond to that. So I've been talking, I mentioned it last Sunday, and I just felt like I didn't, we need to get a hold of this. The sovereignty of God. I hear so many Christians, not people out in the world, but Christians who say things like, well, you know, that happened, I guess, you know, that's the will of God, it was supposed to be like that. You know, a three-year-old gets killed in a car wreck. Well, you know, I guess it's time for the three-year-old to, to die. God took her. And I hear Christians say stuff like that all the time. I heard a Christian say, a guy who was retiring, he had a 401k, millions of dollars in his retirement fund. M, millions. And uh, he lost it all. And he said, well, you know, I guess the Lord didn't want me to have that money. So, uh, you know, he took it. You know, I didn't say it, but I thought, yeah, you know, God's in the stealing business. He's a robber and a thief, you know. The Bible talks plainly about that. That's sarcasm, in case you, in case you didn't know that. But uh, God is not a thief. But the sovereignty of God, people think that, well, everything that happens is God's will. So let's just think naturally. You're going to tell me that all of the rapes that happen, all the murders that happen, that's, that's God's will. Really? No wonder people don't want to come to church. Are you out there? Sovereign. Look it up and you can study this word. You know what this word means? It means paramount, supreme. Having supreme rank or power. Independent, a sovereign state or excellent. Nowhere in that definition does it say, say that the one who is sovereign controls everything. But that's what God has been portrayed as. He's in control of everything that happens on this planet. That is not true. It is not true. James chapter 4, 7. James chapter 4, verse 7 says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Why would we need to resist the devil if everything is happening is God's will? Are you out there? You know, is that in your Bible? James 4, 7. Therefore submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit to God. That's doing or believing what's in here. Believing what's in here. 
So basically, like resist the devil. You remember the story when Jesus got in the boat and they were going, him and the disciples were going to go to the other side. Jesus fell asleep in the back. The disciples were awake and all of a sudden a huge storm came. And it was a storm that scared the fishermen. You know, uh, when I was in the Air Force, you know, we, I've flown in some, it wasn't commercial. So when you're in the military, they don't dodge storms and try to fly around it. They go through it. And so I've been in some that um, I was refueling an airplane behind me, and you lay on your belly to do that. And my whole body was literally going, I mean, it come off about three feet and come back down because it was in the tail of the plane where you do the refueling. And so it, it was bad. Somebody said, did you get sick? I said, there is a point of fear not allowing you to get sick. I was 19 years old, and... and uh, I had to refuel the plane. A jet, fighter jet, and that, if I didn't, we were flying over the ocean. If I didn't get fuel to him, he was going to have to punch out and go swimming in the Atlantic. And so 19 years old, I'm sitting there, and I just thought, holy cow, man, I, I got to get gas to this guy. So I spoke to the wind in the storm. 19 years old. I spoke to it. I said, in the name of Jesus, you're going to be still. And within seconds, that plane was as still as me standing here today. I refueled that guy. I plugged him, refueled him, punched it out. And right after I punched him out, we started, you know, we separated a little bit. The tail started bouncing again. And my... Co-pilot navigator got on the intercom and said, man, that sure was lucky, boom. I'm telling you, man, I, I can't believe it. That was just luck, I tell you. That was the luckiest thing. I go, I got on that thing, 19 years old. I said, that wasn't luck. That was my God. Amen. God wants you and I to resist things instead of just accepting everything that comes to us. I mean, Jesus, they, the, the disciples, they thought, we are going to die because they knew what a storm was. I've flown commercially since then, you know, and uh, people say, oh, that was a storm. I go, no, that was not a storm. I know what a storm was. That was just a little bump in the road. That was not a storm. So the disciples, they knew what a storm was. They knew, and they thought, we are going to perish. We're going to die. So that wasn't just a little breeze coming through. They thought he was going to die. So they woke up Jesus and said, don't you care that we're going to perish, we're going to die? So Jesus stood up and he says, well, this must be the will of God. He didn't say that. I said he didn't say that. Jesus got up, went to the front of the ship, and he, what did he do? He rebuked, and he spoke, and it was calm as everything believers if we think that God is in charge and sovereign of everything we're not going to take authority we're not going to resist we're just going to accept everything that comes to us and we're all going to get around a campfire and kumbaya whatever will be will be blessed be the name of the Lord no man you'll get your you'll get the snot beat out of you You'll be in some aircraft and the tail will break off. And you go, well, it must be God. You know, the storms, you know, it just must be God. No, man, you'll scream hallelujah all the way down till you hit the ground. No, you got to resist. 
take authority and resist. Say, this is the devil, and I'm not going to allow this. Amen? Amen? So we need to know. Knowing that God is not the author of your problem. Are you listening to me? You have to know it's got to be in your foundation that God is not the author of your problem. That's some of the greatest revelation the church needs to hear. They think all these problems with God, that, you know, he just wants to be a better Christian, wants to be a tougher Christian, so he's bringing these problems all over my life. I love him so. No, he's not the author of your problems. Tragedy. God does not, listen to me, God does not bring tragedies, neither does he bring judgment to help correct your life. I'm telling you, most Christians, I shouldn't say most, a lot of Christians believe that. Something bad happens, you know, just like that one guy. Well, I lost all my money. God must know that I, money's going to just make me evil or whatever. Really? No, you need to know that God doesn't use, in the Old Testament you saw a lot of judgment going on, but Jesus on the cross, the Bible says, that he poured out his wrath upon Jesus. So when you and I get born again, listen to me, you will never ever have the judgment or the wrath of God come upon you ever because it was poured out upon Jesus. I know because when people, something happens, they go, well, you know, God's just, he's getting me. He's correcting me. And Timothy says he corrects us with his word. Not with sickness, not with cancer, not with some tornado, hurricane, you know. All these Christians were saying that was God that poured out his wrath on Hurricane Katrina. Yeah, God's in the killing business. He steals and he robs and he causes storm. If that's true, then Jesus went against God because the storm was coming and Jesus, you know, they were fighting against each other, I guess. That's sarcasm again, by the way. No. John 10.10 says this. The thief comes only in order to steal, to kill, and destroy. A lot of Christians know this, but they don't, they forget the second part. I came that they may have and enjoy Enjoy, enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. You know, if you fill up something, it starts overflowing. That means it's too much. What that scripture is saying is that God has poured out so much life and abundance that it's too much for you to handle. It needs to rub off and go to other people around you. Wants you to enjoy life. I was raised that, that, you know, God really wasn't into you enjoying life. So don't go dancing in any wedding because, you know, God doesn't want you enjoying that. Don't go to the movie theater. Don't go do see. Don't have, don't have fun. Whatever you do, don't have fun. And it just made all of us teenagers want to run to church. And keep running as we run to church. Just keep running. Just run right past it, you know, because there is no... And based upon the church that I went to, I'm thankful for it. I got saved. 
I found Jesus at that church, so I'm not bad-mouthing him, but I just thought, if this is what heaven's really like, man, <laughs> it's going to be boring. Most of those people are boring. You know, they just... Anyway. I'm meddling. I'm going to teach you one quick principle so you know about the will of God. A lot of people are so concerned they're going to miss God. Especially young people graduating. This is the time. I'm just so scared I'm going to miss God. It's real easy. I ask people this all the time. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Well, you know, I, I like to get in, maybe become a pilot. Or, you know, I, I love flying. I, I would like to do that. And, but, you know, I probably should go and be missionary in Africa because, you know, I just need to lay down my life. And Would you want to go to Africa? No. I said, well, then that's not God's will for your life. You should go and be a pilot, become a pilot. Well, Pastor, I don't know if that's what... What do you want to do? I want to be a pilot. Who lives in you? God. Who gives you the desires of your heart? God gives you the desires of your heart. So it's real simple, but you know, we get in there and we, try, we mess it all up and say, well, we just don't know. God may want you to sacrifice. You know, the Hagemeyers have been in Africa May 21st, 50 years this past May. They absolutely love it. They enjoy life. God didn't make them do it. It was birthed inside of mom and dad Hagemeyer. That's why he got hooked up with her in Bible college because he found out, oh, she went to school in Africa because that's where I'm going to go. So that's how they hooked up. God's not going to call you to some country God's not going to cause you to do something. And I hear people, this is the saddest thing. People do something for 30, 40, 50 years of their life, and they hate it. You know what I tell them? If I get the opportunity, you miss God, sweetheart. God doesn't put you on this planet to live hell. You know, this. I can't wait to get to heaven because I've had 50 years of hell on earth. That sounds like, you know, that's, what kind of program is that? Let's all sign up for that one. This, this scripture says he wants, what kind of life? How does he want you to enjoy life? So it's real easy to know if you're in the will of God. Are you enjoying life? If not, you're missing it, sweetheart. You're missing it. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, if there's times if you have to go to school to do your profession, if you have to go to, you know, when, to become, and when I was in the Air Force, you know, I had to go through certain training that I hated it. I mean, they try to kill me. They try to drown me in the ocean. They drop me in the ocean with nothing but 360 degrees ocean water. No land. I'm from Kentucky. I've never seen the ocean before. I don't like the ocean. It's the Air Force fault. They dropped me in it. I started tasting this stuff in my mouth and didn't know what it was. But anyway, you know, I hated that part of the training. But I saw at the end that this is what I had to do so that I could enjoy something. But I knew it wasn't going to be for 15, 20, 30 years to do that. So if you're, if you're doing something for 30 years, I'm telling you, you need to go to God and say, you know, God, I've been doing this for 30 years. I just want you to know I hate it, and I found out today I don't have to do this anymore. <laughs> the 
This is real easy to teach to preschool and children's church. To adults, it's a little bit tougher. So you ready for this great revelation? If it's good, it's God. If it's bad, it's the devil. Do you need me to draw a picture of that? People say, well, I just don't know if it's good. or I don't know. Yeah, well, what happened? Well, I told him my car, you know, God made me just say, it's bad. It's the devil. If you get confused, go find a seven-year-old and they can tell you. <laughs> a lot of religious people try to bring this scripture up. But what about this scripture, Pastor Romans 8, 28? And now we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. You know, so when something bad happens, people just say, well, you know, this happened, so we just need to, God brought this on me, and so we just, he'll turn it around for good. Well, first of all, it doesn't say anywhere in that scripture that God caused it to happen. So we put things in there that are not there. But it says, and now we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So the scripture starts out with and. So that word and is tying two thoughts together. It's saying that things are going to be working out together for a good. But so what is it connected to? You have to read the previous verse, verse 27. Now, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So he's saying that the power of the Holy Ghost inside you and me can hook up and pray and intercede and pray for the perfect will of God. For this thing that tragedy or this frustration, this problem came against you, that you can pray and believe God for this to be turned around for your good. So if something evil, something bad happened, God wants to turn out the good. The principle of that scripture is be a person of prayer. Pray. Don't just accept every nasty thing that comes. You pray and say, God, you know, this is a bad thing. I don't believe this is your will. And so I believe you're going to turn this around for my good. Did you know there is nothing, nothing that can happen to you that, that's evil even? That God, if you can take that to God and say, God, this is, this is what's going on in my life. And I just believe, there's a key word, I just believe that you can turn this around for my good. You have to believe that. But what the devil has tricked Christians into saying and believing is that, well, this is from God, so I'm just going to accept that and believe that. What you did is you limited God. He's no longer going to be able to turn that around because you're believing that this is from him. You see how wicked that is? That's wicked. Wicked, wicked, wicked. Don't believe that. But you pray when that happens. You say, God, I believe in the name of Jesus. You're turning this around for my good. Satan is beneath my feet. I am seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Whatever I put my hand to, it prospers. I thank you, Lord, that you covered me with the favor of God. I'm surrounded with the favor of God. I'm just a blessing going someplace to happen. You got to speak it out of your mouth. Resist the, 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 all of the things that you see. You got to resist it instead of just, okay, we just accept this. This is what God wants. No, it's not. It is not. Don't read the Bible. Just, you know, so many people read the Bible just, well, I need to find out what I'm supposed to do, what I'm not supposed to do. 
the number one reason you're supposed to read this is to find Jesus and know him. You've got to know Jesus. So many people think that serving God is a list of do's and don'ts. And I've said this, and I'm going to keep saying this, until Jesus comes or I leave this planet. Identity is who you are. Behavior follows identity. Listen to me. I know you've heard this before, but we need to get it. So when you know who you are, it will cause your behavior to follow that. So if the church believes that we are sinners, saved by grace, but we're still sinners, if your identity is a sinner, what kind of behavior follows a sinner? Sin. So the devil, again, he slips in the church and tells everybody, I'm just a sinner. I'm just a worm. I'm just a worm. I'm just squiggling along here. I'm just a worm. Sliding in the mud of life. Your behavior will correlate and respond to that. So to this day, six days of the week, my phone alarms in the morning. I don't let it alarm it on Sunday. But it alarms. When it alarms, I look at it. See, because I got a lot of alarms. I go, what's this one? Oh, I'm righteous. Six days a week, my phone reminds me, Mike, you're righteous. Why do I want that? Because there's some things that I do that are unrighteous. Do you do anything that's unrighteous? I don't want to know about them, but do you? Everybody in here, let's just all get real. Everybody in here sinned this week. <laughs> oh. So you have to remind and renew your brain, according to Romans. It says you have to renew your brain. Why? Because your brain will tell you you're an unrighteous, unholy sinner thing. Good night. God doesn't love you because you just do everything. You can't even come close to being godly. So guess what? If you accept that and receive that instead of resisting it, is it same? Listen to me. Instead of resisting it, like it says in James chapter 4, if you receive that, your identity will become that and your behavior will follow that. So I have to remind Mike Davis, I'm the righteousness of God. God made me righteous. It's not because of what I do that I become righteous. It's because of what he did, and he made me that way. God made me righteous. That's who my identity is. And so when I really renew myself to that and believe that, my identity, I'm in Christ, I'm the righteousness of God, my behavior will change. It will change. And it won't be because I discipline, I'm, I just really, I'm really going to discipline myself. You know, it's kind of like people on diets. You know, those only work as long as you're disciplined. And the minute you're not disciplined, the diet goes out the window. So your, your standard is only as good as your discipline. Do you really think that that's how God set this up? Because that would mean all the people who are disciplined, they're going to be blessed. And all the people who are struggle from time to time, you know, they're going to go straight to hell. Do not pass go. No. You have to change your mentality and know who you are in Christ. 
I'm the righteousness of God. I'm the head, not the tail. I have favor surrounding me. Ooh, I'm just a blessing. That's why we say that every Sunday up there. That's not just to fill out your religious square. That's to make you renew your mind to think that who you really are. Because that's the way God sees you. But your flesh does not see yourself that way, does it? You look in the mirror and you go, man, you are sin on a popsicle stick, buddy. (laughs) And you don't even taste good. Let me ask you this question. What is more real, that which you can see or that which you cannot see? What is more real? According to the Corinthians, Paul said this. He said, that which we see not is more real than that which you can feel you see with your eyeballs. So, that which you cannot see is more powerful than what you can see. But we believe and we think our mind, our mentality is what we see is the most real thing. That's the real thing. And it is not true. It is not. It's what you cannot see. It's more powerful than what you see. So, based upon that, God says, you know, I'm going to make this planet, this perfect planet. It was perfect, wasn't it? You read about it in Genesis. It was just perfect. And then he gives the planet to Adam. He said, it's yours, Adam. You rule. You have dominion over here. This is your baby. Whatever you name the animals, that's what their names are. Whatever you do, this is yours, Adam. He gave it to him. How many know that God knew what we were going to do with the planet? And he still gave it to him. You know, that's like giving somebody a brand new, you know, Corvette. 2017 Corvette. And you say, it's paid for, it's yours, here's the keys. And they take it to the mountains on a four-wheel drive. And I see it the next day, and it's on a hook on the back of a wrecker. <laughs> Scratches all over it, dents, tires flattened, it's twisted, and the, the convertible smashed in and everything. I go, what happened? I went to the mountains. Got on this trail, man, it was a blast. Yeah. Look what you did to the car that I gave you. That's about like what God did with us. Except he knew what we were going to do, and he still gave it to us. If you don't believe me, look at Psalms 115, verse 16. It says, The heavens belong to the Lord, but he has given the earth to all humanity. This was such an act of love, but I'm going to tell you something. There's something here that I haven't seen before. God trusted you and me. He trusts humanity. And he believes that we're going to do all right with this planet. And we're going to do all right. Now you may think, what? You know, you can't really trust somebody until you love them. Love comes before trust. 
You don't trust somebody, and, and no, you got to love them. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know, I, I just, I've read this so many times, but it still makes me think this way. When Jesus was getting ready to leave the earth, and he looks at his 12 disciples, he says, okay, this is it. You got it. And you look at the 12, you know, one denied him. Actually, including Judas, it's two. But, you know, of course, Judas, you know, one set up the whole murder thing, you know. He, he set that up. So that's two of your 12. And then one doubted everything that you said. He's one that you're leaving this with. And, and those guys, and some of them, you know, they had hot tempers and wanting to call fire down on people. Let's burn. Hey, what should we do? Let's kill them. Let's burn them. We're going to have fried bacon tonight. But, you know, I mean, they were just, they were not your typical group of guys that you wanted to leave, you know, this whole salvation plan thing with. And God, Jesus sits there and goes, I'm going to leave. I'm leaving. And I'm thinking, <laughs> he left. But this is the good news. He says, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm not going to leave you without wisdom. I'm not going to leave you without power. He says, I'm leaving, but there's gonna, the Holy Ghost is going to come, and everything that you need is going to be inside of you for you to conquer anything and everything. Psalms 8, verse 4 says this. What are mere mortals that you should think about them, human beings that you should care for them? Yet you made them only a little lower than God. Now, if you read that in the King James Version, it says angels. But you can look up that word angels in the uh, Hebrew and it is Elohim. If you do a study on Elohim, it does not mean angels. It means God. I think when the translators were translating this, the King James guys, and they thought, nah, we're going to put angels in here. That's good, just to be below the angels. Elohim is God. You can study it. It's not my opinion. You can look it up. The Hebrew word is, is God there so he says i made man a little lower than god and crowned him with glory and honor look at verse six and i gave them charge over some things gave him charge over everything that you made that would include pueblo colorado that would include where we live putting some things majority of things 99.9 Oh, all things under their authority. God did this. He gave us authority. He gave us power. And he believes that the church is going to rise up and do exactly what he said that we are capable of doing. It's just I believe the word hadn't got out. The good news hadn't got out. That, hey, you can resist. You can overcome. You can win in life. You don't have to wait, you know, till we all get to heaven. What a glorious day that will be. When we get there, we'll have victory, but we have hell on earth right now. That's not a good song, but that's a song that's in most believers' heart. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 6 through 8 says, For in one place the scriptures say, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? Well, what scripture he's talking about? He's talking about the one we just read in Psalms. Amen. 
So he says, or the son of man that you should care for him. Verse 7, yet you made them a little lower than the angels. There again, you know, freaking them out. There, it's got to be a little bit lower than the angels. And crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them authority over all things. Now, when it says all things, it means nothing is left out. But we have not yet seen all things put under their authority. So what is he saying here? He's saying that God has given man authority, but he says we're really not seeing it. Two things. One, Adam sold out. Gave the authority to Satan. So that's why Satan is having his way a lot of things on this planet. It's because there's, you know, people say, well, why is this happening? Why is that happening? I say, because there's a devil. And he's here. There's a devil and he's here. But you think, oh man, well that's terrible. Well, the good news is Jesus came. He knew that was going to happen. He didn't, not, there was never a uh-oh minute with God. You understand? That's not in his vocabulary. He doesn't, uh-oh. That means he didn't, no, he's not surprised. So what he knew before the foundation of the earth, he sit there and he says, Jesus is going to come. My only begotten son, he's going to come. And he's going to take the authority that was taken away from Adam or given away, I should say. And he says, I have to get that authority back on the planet. But the only way to get that authority back on the planet, it has to come through a man. There was a man who gave it away. There's going to have to be a man who I work with. And so that's why Jesus came as a mola, man. He came as a man. And he had it all planned out. And he said, that man is going to die on the cross He's going to do all of that. He's going to be resurrected. He's going to go to the pit of hell, take the authority back from Satan himself. Three days later, he's going to come and conquer death, hell, and the grave. Well, the good news is you say, well, how does that help me? Now that Jesus has the authority, Luke chapter 10, verse 19, he goes, behold, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all of the power of the enemy and Nothing shall by any means harm you. This is Jesus who has the authority and the power. And he turns around to man and he says, Behold, I have the power and I'm going to give it unto you. He's going to give it unto us. Why? So now we have authority. We have a power. We have the ability to risk, to resist Satan. We have all of that. That phrase, I looked at this, I, 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 I researched this. Crushed. It says, behold, I give unto you power to tread. That phrase, tread upon serpent, it means crush with the feet. So if you look that up, it means to encounter successfully the greatest perils from the tricks, the schemes, the persecutions with which Satan would willingly prevent someone from preaching the gospel or hearing the good news. That scripture sounds a lot like God says, you know, I'm getting the power to tread upon serpents and scorpions. God prophesied after Adam and Eve fell. He prophesied to the devil. He told him what was going to happen. Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. He said, this is what's going to. He says, I'm going to put enmity between the woman, her seed, and your seed. But her seed is going to rise up and tread on you. And crush your head. Woo. Listen, he was prophesying about Jesus, 
But it didn't stop at Jesus. Luke 10, 19 picks it up and says, the Jesus that lives in you and me are supposed to be doing some treading. Whoa. <laughs> are you getting this? You have the power to tread upon all of the power of the enemy. All of the power. So what would that be? Anything that's bad. That's how we started this. In case you didn't know where we were going. Anything that's bad, we have the power to resist it. Or the power to overcome it. You go over the mountain, around the mountain, through the mountain, but you're getting on the other side of the mountain. You can just tell the devil, you can do what you want, but when the dust settles, I'm going to be on top. I'm going to be victorious. I don't care what you bring or what's come, come hell or high water, when the dust settles, I'm victorious because I'm in Christ. Now, thanks be to God who always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus. So we're treaders. Listen, if you are struggling with a sin or a habit or something that you just, the devil has really tricked you and schemed you that it's so big that you can't defeat it. He does that to a lot of people. I'm going to help you out here. You go to the mirror and you look at the mirror and you say this. Has Jesus conquered this sin? Let me ask you. Has Jesus conquered all sin? I mean all sin. There's not a sin that he has not conquered. Are we all on the same page? Okay, since Jesus has conquered all sin and he lives in you, then you need to tell yourself in the mirror that you are a conqueror over this sin. It has no dominion over you. It has no power over you. I can resist this. I have power and authority over every cotton-picking sin on the planet. That's the way we'd say it in Kentucky, you know, cotton picking. I don't know why, but we, every cotton picking one of them, man, we got, I've got power over it. There's not one sin that's even remotely close to overtaking me. No, 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 no. I'm far above it. I'm seated far above all principality, all power, all might, all dominion, everything in its name. I'm far above it, the Bible says, seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's where you're at over the sin. So with the devil comes and tricks us and goes, this sin is so big, it's so powerful. I can't help myself. It's big, it's big. It's so no, you're deceived. You're deceived. You have authority and power over how many things? Over how many things? That would include every cotton-picking sin on the planet. Everything that the devil tries to find, I got, I got authority over you. I just want you to announce. But you need to speak it with your mouth. Jesus spoke to the winds. He didn't just go, you know, God, if you want this storm to go, you, can you do something about it? Jesus, they would, it would not have been good. God, Jesus didn't leave that up to just God, you know, would you do this? And so that's what believers do, though. God, would you just, you know, do something about this, God? Do something about this. If Je- would Jesus handle it that way? God, there's a storm. Can, can you do something? I mean, I'm your son. I'm in the boat. Do something. Do something. No, he said, you know, I've, been get, I've got power and I got authority. I'm doing something here. You be that kind of person because he's in you. You do something. Amen. Quit going to your mountain. Mark eleven twenty three. 23. Bible says, say unto your mountain, be thou cast plucked up and cast into the sea you say something to the mountain you speak to the mountain people go to God 
and speak about their mountain. We should be going to our mountain and speaking about our God. See how that flips around? And then that mountain goes, "Uh, what? Yeah, I'm speaking to you in the name of Jesus on the authority of the power of the name of Jesus. All power has been given unto me and everything is under my subjection because of God. The greater one who lives in me. You got it. Amen? Let's stand. Praise God. That takes the limits off, doesn't it? So don't think, well, this must be the will of God. Well, really? After today, it's real easy to decipher if it is or not. If it's bad, then it's not. If it's good, probably is. But get a hold of this today. Walk in the authority. You say, well, you know, sometimes I've tried that and it just didn't, just didn't work. You need to continue to renew your mind. This is the perfect will of God for you. You have authority. You have to believe it. Sometimes you've got to wrap your mind around that. It takes some getting into the word and knowing about Jesus. Knowing how good he is. Knowing that he loves you. Knowing that the power of God is inside of you. It is. You say, well, I don't feel it. It's not based upon your feeling. It's based upon your believing. It is there. I said this to the first service. I think I did. Sometimes I think I already said it, but I don't think I did. I had a $100 bill in my, in a hidden in a hiding spot in my wallet. You know, it, it's hidden there. It was there for years. I forgot about it. $100 bill. And I was, so I, I'm not, this was a few years ago. I, I'm not an ATM guy. I don't like it but uh, then I did and I think the reason I don't like it is because of the story I'm going to tell you I drove all around Pueblo trying to find a stupid ATM you know and couldn't find one because I didn't ha- we didn't have cell phone that did all that stuff and so uh, I finally found one and as I pulled up messed all kinds of my day up my time and everything as soon as I pulled up I, it came to me I know it was just the subtleness of God inside me saying you have $100 on your body. And I went, I didn't even put the ATM card in. I went, pulled out my wallet, looked in the hiding spot. Voila, $100. I go, man, I didn't even know I had it. Let me ask you something. Did I always have that $100 bill even though I, I, I didn't know about it? Was it still on my body? Yeah, it was. Did it do me any good? No, it did not. Did it do me any good? It didn't because I did not know. That's the church, a picture of the church. All heaven is inside of you and me. All power, all authority is inside of us. But it's just like that hidden dollar bill. We have no recollection. We don't know. We don't understand. So is it doing the church any good? No, man, the devil is slapping the snot out of people. And we're just going, well, you know, this is life. Yeah, not slapping life. That's what it is. 
It's time for the church to realize to stick its hand inside of us to find out what is in us, who Jesus is, the great I am, who's above and not beneath, who's been made the head and not the tail. It's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus, and he lives in me, and so I have the power, I have authority, I have the victory right now because of him. Man, I tell you what, man, I got so excited about that $100 bill. It's like I just got paid $100. I didn't get paid, though. It didn't just come on me right then. I had it the whole time. That's a picture of the church. It's a picture of the church. All power authority has been given to us. Let's pray.